read verse 13. Well, we'll start, let's start back at, uh, in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, so this is going to help us to stand. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And, and we know it, it goes on and tells us that the breastplate of righteousness, uh, our loins girded out by truth, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, and above all, taking the shield of faith. So these are things we all are going to need in order to stand when Christ returns. Most people won't stand. Most people will be dead. Most people will be destroyed by the brightness of his coming. In order to stand in the presence of a holy God, we have to find ourselves as over- overcomers. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. I want to read some things. That God has seven churches there. We're in the last one, by the way. And... Uh, there's something that he tells each church age. Start in chapter 2 when he's talking to Ephesus. In verse 7 he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And then if you go to verse 11, chapter 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh will not be hurt in a second death. Now that was to the church of Smyrna. Okay, well let's go down to the church of Pergamos. And we read in verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth saving him that receiveth it. Okay, to the church, the papal church, the Thyatira church. He has the same message. We see this over and over again. Verse 23. And I will, oh, I'm sorry, not 23. It's at verse uh, 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him will I give the power of over the nations. To the church of Sardis in chapter 3. Verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white, Raiment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. To the church of Philadelphia. Uh, verse uh, 12. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more in and out, and I will write upon him a name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down from heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name, or my new character. Name is character in scripture. Laodicea, and this is our, our church, it says, To him that overcometh, I'm in verse 21, Will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and sat down with my father in his throne. So, we see the recurring theme, overcome. What are we to overcome? Anyone? Sin, yes. Okay, what, what does Matthew 5, 48 tell us? Be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Am I speaking? Am I preaching a perfection sermon? Absolutely. Probation is going to close. We know that when probation closes, there is no more intercession for sin. Christ is not coming back right away when probation. When he, when Michael stands up in Daniel twelve, verse one, Christ is not coming back just that minute. 
You know, we rely on having our sins forgiven through the blood of Christ. I know I do. Lord, forgive me of my sin. And then I go out and sin again. Do me a favor. Everybody loves Jesus. Stand up. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay. Everyone that sinned in the last two days, please sit down. Just in the last two days now. I'm not talking about the whole week. Okay. No, no. If you, if you, didn't, if you don't think you sinned this last two days, please stand back up. Nobody? Who's going to be able to stand? Because I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be longer than two days when the intercession ends. Honestly, I think it's going to be quite a while. Like, like a month and a half. I don't think he's going to come back like five minutes later. Michael's going to stand up and we're going to go through a time of trouble like it never was. Ever. In the world. Where are we at in the stream of time right now? Now I know the best sermon ever preached is one that's lived and not spoken. It is. That's the truth. But none of us include, I mean, I know I'm not, I'm not there yet. Are you guys there? We got to get there, and we can't get there through our own power. It's only through grace. And when I say grace, I'm not talking about some powder you sprinkle on your sins and make them go away. Because only the blood of Christ forgives sin. I'm talking about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace. When we walk in the Spirit, well, go to First John chapter 3. We'll go there. First John chapter 3, verse 6. Whosoever abideth in him, the word says, sinneth not. Now what is sin? Anybody know what the definition of sin is in the Bible? First John 3, 4. For sin is the transgression of the law. For whosoever sinneth transgresseth also the law. For sin is transgression of the law. So... Here it says, whoever abideth in Jesus sinneth not. I don't see anybody still standing. And that's where we need to be. That's exactly where we need to be. Because when probation ends and Christ stands up, our intercessor is gone. And, and the Bible tells us that Christ is gonna, he's not going to come right back. He's going to seal us. And we should all be sealed in the faith now, but he's going to seal us with the Spirit as well. Revelation twenty two eleven says that, that, well, let's read it. I'm going to go back to First John. Hold your place there. This is the close of probation. Twenty two eleven. It says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Now, if Jesus come back in the last two days... Speaking for myself, because I wouldn't be standing if I went behind this podium. You know, if he'd come back, I would be unjust still. Would you? Is there anybody that would be perfect before God right now if he was to come back tomorrow? I know I wouldn't be. And I need to be. We need to be in the spirit of, of Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, all the time. We should, we should live in the spirit. We should pray without ceasing. We should be studying our Bibles. We should all, as Adventists, know the sanctuary message. We should all know where we need to be. And we cannot get there, we cannot get there under our own strength. 
If you think you can keep from sinning a day without Jesus, you can't. We're saved by grace, and we're sealed by the grace of the Holy Spirit. It says, Grieve not the Spirit of God, Ephesians 4.30, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. We cannot get there without the Holy Spirit. But as we find in 1 John, if we abide in him, we don't sin. That's a promise God's given us. It says in verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. And that second he should be capitalized. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Let's say, and I'm of the devil, if I'm still sinning. Saying you're of the devil, if you're still sinning. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the de- devil sinneth from the beginning. For this is the purpose the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Oh God, I want to be there so bad. Don't you? Don't you want to be where Christ would have his church be? Peter tells us we're, we're saved or we enter the divinity of Christ through promises. Go to Second Peter. Got a couple of notes here. One four. It says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust." Through the promises of God. We need to be claiming those promises. Boy, what promises? Anyone curious to know where these promises are? I know I am. Go to Philippians 1.6. Go to Philippians 1.6 and it says that he that hath begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We can, through Christ, get there. But we've got to be claiming it. We should be praying without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us that, I think. Or 2 Thessalonians Pray without ceasing. You know, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. What should the people of God should be asking for today? The Holy Spirit. Amen. We shouldn't be asking for a new car. God knows what we need. Our new house, you know, or new shiny whatever, you know. God knows what we need. Matthew tells us that. We find that in Matthew chapter 6. He even feeds the birds. He knows if you need a job. He know, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask those things too. But what we need more than anything is the Holy Spirit. So what I need, we should be praying for that every single day. Lord, help people see you in me. On my job, at Walmart, at the grocery store, wherever it is you're at, that's where we need to be. I'm going to read Philippians 1.6. Because we've got a bunch of verses I want to read in Philippians. These promises that God, Peter talks about. I want that divine nature to you. I know. I mean, Job tells us in, in chapter 9, if, if, if we exalt ourselves, you know, that it proves we're perverse. You know? But when you're 
when you arrive, you don't have to tell nobody. They know. Amen. The best sermon is when you live. It's not yes. when you talk. Yes. People aren't going to say, you ain't going to say, hey, I'm perfect, y'all. That proves you're perverse, according to Job. And Job was a man that God declared perfect and upright in all his ways. I don't want you to declare me perfect. I want God to declare me perfect, you know? And if I was there, I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't have to. You'd see it. Yes. But you don't see it because I'm not there. I hope you are. But we have got to get to a point where we can concentrate on the things in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Colossians 3.2 tells us to set your desires on heavenly things, not on things of the earth. We'll go to Philippians now. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Does anyone know? Well, we ask, obviously. But is that all there is to it? Someone read Acts 5.32. Sister, if you would. Mm -hmm. We can grieve the Spirit of God, too, through sin. Isaiah 59, verse 2 tells us our sins have separated us from God. We don't want to be separated from God. We should not sin. But if we have Christ in us, according to the word, we will not sin. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what, what, what does Acts 5.32 say? Okay, so God gives the Holy Spirit to those who... There's a condition there, right? Obey Him. Okay, obey Him in all things, not just most things. Lord, I'd really like to keep the Holy Spirit, but I'd really like to steal this thing, or I'd really like to worship this idol. Or No, no. we keep all the Ten Commandments, but also we tithe, as God asks us to. We, 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 keep, we give God glory in everything and our achievements, and we have a tendency, I know I do, to, to, you know, take pride in our own accomplishments. We ain't accomplished nothing. Everything we accomplish is through God. God gave us the breath in our, our bodies, our abilities, everything. We are nothing without Jesus. He is the branch. Or, or the vine, we're the branch. John fifteen five. He's the vine, we're the branch, and without him, we can do how much? Nothing. Without the Spirit of God... We cannot keep the law of God. We can't do anything without Christ. Christ is the only... We couldn't even have the Holy Spirit without Christ. We're given grace by the sacrifice and perfect life of Christ. When he left, he sent the Comforter. We cannot even have the Holy... Without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even want to repent of your sins. Everything that... The whole plan of salvation is wrapped up in Jesus. Yes. And in the, if without the Holy Spirit, we cannot get there. Let's go, I want to go back to Philippians. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a promise, is it not? I count on that promise. 
Just like I count on Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me, including overcome myself. The biggest obstacle in my life, my Christian walk, is money. It's not you. It's me. That's the biggest obstacle I face. Because money likes to do things of the world. But the Spirit of God says, no, wait a minute. Don't do that. And most of the time, if I'm if I'm obedient, yeah, Lord, you're right. Sorry, I thought about that. Now it's not a sin to be tempted. Christ was tempted. Yes. But it is a sin to dwell on that temptation too long. And it's also a sin to do things to not do things that you know you're supposed to do. James four seventeen, I think, tells us that I'm not sure on that verse, you might want to check me, but it tells me that he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, and to him is a sin. You see somebody that you know needs something, maybe food, and you know it ain't just some alcoholic trying to get a booze from you, but it's or some drug addict wanting to fix. But you see somebody that you know has a need, and the Spirit of God tells you, help that person out. We should do it, and if we don't, it's a sin. The Church of God should be the lovingest place in the world. It really should. I was here a couple nights ago, a couple weeks ago. There was a lady here that was homeless. And from what I understand, she's been coming to all the Sabbath school lessons. Now, I don't know her story. But I think as a church, we should we have a purpose. What does it say in Matthew 25? The last parable, anyone know? You know, all three of those parables in Matthew 25 are about the Holy Spirit. The ten virgins with the oil, the first one. First 13 verses there. They're all about, it's all about the Holy Spirit. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. Some of them's got a little oil. Some of them's got a reserve oil. Some of them's got more Holy Spirit than others. The talents, that's Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not, the currency of heaven is the Holy Spirit, y'all. Talent was a money form in the Old Testament. Talents of gold. Back then, I guess it must have been a little cheaper. Because <laughs> uh, today, if you have an ounce, you have over $1,000. But, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, or the talents, was given to everyone. And some people doubled what they had, and one person buried it. Hmm? When you bury the Holy Spirit, it doesn't grow. When you double the Holy Spirit, though, by reading your word, by prayer, by by Showing ourselves approved unto God, as Timothy tells us. When, you, when you're studying the word and praying and, and letting Christ live out in you, you're doubling that talent. But you remember that that talent was taken away from the person that doubled it, or didn't double it, but buried it. And what would happen to it after that? When the Holy Spirit was retracted from that person, what happened? It was given to the one that doubled the most. Why do? Why wasn't it give, given to the one that doubled the least? You know, one person got like two and turned it into four, and another one had like five and turned it into ten. But there were two groups there, and one doubled a smaller amount, and one doubled a larger amount. And the one that doubled the larger amount received the talent from the one that buried it. I personally believe there are three groups recommend, uh, represented there. You've got the word, of, the spirit of God, 
that those that don't do anything with it. You've got the people who live what they know and they double it, and then they die in Jesus. So they don't have any need for any more talent. They have they don't have any more need for the Spirit of God because they're sealed in their salvation. They're dead. And then you have the last group who will be living when Jesus comes, 144,000. And when the Spirit of God is attracted from the world, it's poured out on the 144,000. That talent's taken away from the world and given to the 144,000 in the latter rain. I want to be there. We're living in that day. I want you to see something that happened this week, nine days ago. This is something Ellen White wrote. The aim and purpose of the National Reform Combination is identical with the aim and purpose of the papacy. It is therefore a great gladness that Rome heard the declaration of the Supreme Court of the United States that this is a Christian nation with the citation of Catholic documents to prove it and also saw Congress set up the sign of her authority, the Sunday, as a holy day. This happened nine days ago, y'all. Tell me Ellen White wasn't a prophet. Nine days ago, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of a postal worker who did not want to work Sundays. Give me the next slide. Look at the date on that. Six twenty nine, two thousand twenty three. Anybody awake yet? This is recent. Next slide, please. Now, this was a case of a Sabbath keeper who didn't want to work on the Sabbath. What do you think they did with that? The devil's setting up things so there'll be no mercy for the people of God in the last days. They threw the Sabbath. They didn't even listen to this. They didn't even let that come to court. So if you're a Sabbath keeper at work at Walgreens... You don't, you don't get no consideration. But if you're a Sunday keeper who works for the post office, oh, that's a, oh, a holy day. You know, it's impossible to keep Sunday holy. I don't care if you go to church on Sunday or not. You can't keep it holy. You know why? God never made it holy. You cannot be a Sunday keeper. Or you can be a Sunday observer, but you can't keep it holy. There's only one day God ever made holy. There's only one holiday, or holy day. It's not Easter. It's not Christmas, or Halloween, or Veterans Day. Those aren't holy days. We have a holiday, or holy day, every week. It's called the Sabbath. And you're all here, so you all know about it. It's time for us to let the world know about it. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to look at another promise. Mm, 
Mm, he'll pitch, right? Let's see. But now Christ, you, sometimes we're far off. It don't sound right. We're made nigh by the blood of Christ. No, that's not the verse. Let me, let me look here. I'm sorry. Did I say Ephesians? It's Philippians 2.13. I knew something went right there. Yeah, we were in Philippians. I didn't want to go out. I want to stay there. Okay. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay, so God is working in us to help us keep his law. Guys, there's going to be a time coming. If we can't keep God's law now, we're in trouble. There's a time coming when, if you keep it, you're going to be killed. You'll be under a death sentence. This time it's going to be so bad that it's never been that bad before in history. Right now we're relatively persecution-free. This should be a breeze for us. No one's telling you if you go to church on Saturday, you're going to be killed. No one's telling you you have to keep the Holy Sunday by law right now. And we're stumbling right now as Christians. How are we ever going to make it? If we can't walk with the soldiers, how are we going to run with them? How? Only through Christ. Only through Christ. We need to be claiming these promises. Let's see what else I got here. James 4 7 tells us to submit ourselves to God, and the devil will flee from us. John 8 32 tells us, to whom Christ is set free from sin is free indeed. It's only Christ and the spirit of grace that can set us free. We can't do it. But we can submit ourselves to God and he can do it through us. The last parable of Matthew 25 deal with this fruit of the Spirit. Visiting those in prison. I think it has more to do with prisoners of sin than the literal prison. Feeding the hungry. I think the bread that we're supposed to be feeding the hungry is the Word of God. The showbread. The visiting those, you know, that are in distress. Comforting those that need help. Those are fruits of the Spirit. We find those in Galatians 5.22. It takes unpolitical correctness to step outside of our, our comfort zone and tell someone, you know, the lifestyle you're living is going to have you lost if you don't change. And I'm not just talking about adulterers or homosexuals. I'm talking any sin. Galatians 3.18 tells us that if we don't warn the wicked of his ways, they'll die in their sin, but their blood will God require at our hands. I don't want to be in that position. We try to be 
as Christians, very accepting of other people and loving toward other people. And we should. And we should tell people in the kindest way possible, you've got to change. God wouldn't have you do this. But we've got to tell them. Otherwise, what business do we have in the church of God? We have to tell them to set our own self free from the responsibility that God has placed upon us. Now, what they do with that information, we're not, we can't push anybody into the faith. We can't strong arm them and say, you've got to come to church on Saturday or, you know. No, that's the Holy Spirit's job. We tell them, we plant the seed, and we leave, and the Holy Spirit does the work. We can do nothing without God. We're just seed sowers. Time is ticking on. Probation's getting ready to close. I think everyone in this room that lives another four or five, maybe well, at least a decade, will see Jesus come back. I really do. I do believe in the cosmic week. I do believe that Christ, at his temptation, according to Ellen White, the, the, the world was about 4,000 years old from the time that Adam left his earthly paradise home. And I believe there will be 6,000 years of Satan's rule. And it's in the spirit of prophecy as well. And then we'll spend a 1,000 years Sabbath with the Lord in heaven. And I want to be in that group. We have got to overcome ourselves. We've got to overcome our sin. And the only way to do that is through prayer, through asking God for the Holy Spirit. Prayer, asking God to deliver us from situations that we put ourselves in that we had no business putting ourselves in. You know, the Bible tells us the ways of man lead death. What does it say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own reason, your own ways, but always acknowledge him, and then he can direct our path. To have the faith of the Je- to have the faith of Jesus is to trust in the Lord that much, completely. Jesus went to the cross, trusting in His Father, and we can go to the Mark of the Beast crisis, trusting Jesus. We can. I want to be standing when Jesus returns, don't you? And I'm not ready. Because somebody stands behind this pulpit, don't make them ready. We need to be submitting ourselves to God daily, hourly, minutely. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, who comes out? Is that God or is that you? You so and so, you. That's not God. That's me. You know? I wish everybody was still standing. I would have to sit down, and y'all could preach to me. Because <laughs> I, I, if if when I asked the question, if you'd sit in the last two days to sit down, I probably should have sit right here. Perfectionism. People preach against it in church. 
Hebrews 6 doesn't bear that out. Hebrews 6.1. It says, laying aside the doctrines and principles of Christ, let us move on to perfection. Principles of Christ, sin and forgiveness, sin and forgiveness, sin and forgiveness, sin and repentance. You know, how many of you repent of a sin and then you're doing it again in a week? That's not repentance. If you're doing it again, you never truly repented of it. You said, oh Lord, I'm sorry, but then you went right back to it, so you really wasn't that sorry. Supposed to turn away from our sins. And we cannot do that without Christ. Luke eleven thirteen says, If we being evil can give our children good gifts, how much more can our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, give us the things that we ask for? And every one of us should be asking for the Holy Spirit. have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, forgive us. Cleanse us, Lord. Cleanse your church. Cleanse our hearts and our minds by the washing of the water, Lord, by your word. Make us perfect in their sight, Lord. But we know Jesus come to pay for our sin and to give us the power to resist sin. And we have failed. Forgive us. And help us, Lord. For we cannot do anything without you. We're pathetic. Please, Lord, fill your church with your spirit. We know you're perfect, and you give good gifts to your children. Your word says that you give us the power, Lord, that we can do all things through you. Help us to do the things that we should do and not do the things that we shouldn't do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.